as Christians and for Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, for us today who are believers, it is all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. Now, that may sound like a simple statement. That say may sound like a cliche thing to say. It may sound like an easy, straightforward statement. It's all about Jesus. Well, today I want to tell you that is the deepest, that is the most complex, that is the most profound, that is the most involved, that is the most multifaceted statement that has ever been said. It is all about Jesus. For us who are Christians, it is all about Jesus. Listen to me this morning. You want to know about the past? It is all about Jesus. If you want to know about the future, sometimes we worry about the future. It is all about Jesus. You want to know the hope for today? It is all about Jesus. Is there any hope? Listen, it is all about Jesus. You want to know about quantum physics this morning? It is all about Jesus. This month, during our Christmas celebration, my prayer, my hope is that we would know, that we would celebrate, that we would worship our Savior Jesus as never before. It's a busy time of the year. There's a lot of stuff going on. And my prayer is that it is not normal, that it's not just the passing through of a bunch of events, but that we would truly know Jesus, that we would celebrate, that we would worship Jesus as never before. That is my prayer. Do you know that is the possibility we got about two weeks left before Christmas. That's the entirety of this month. Did you know the possibility is that we could leave this season and we could say, oh, what a blessed season. Oh, what a Savior we have in Jesus. That is my prayer. Well, as part of that, on Sunday mornings, we have been surveying some of the parties in the biblical account of Jesus' birth. If you've been attending or if you've been following along, we looked at Mary. Uh, that was an awesome week. Last week we looked at Joseph. And then this week we continue and we look at the baby Jesus. Our message this morning is entitled, What Child Is This? What Child Is This? Our verses are found again in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25. What child is this? I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in the 18th verse, God's Word says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God 
with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Holy Father, we come today, we praise you, we thank you, we worship you. Lord, we're thankful that we have hope today, that we have an anchor that holds today. We're thankful that in Jesus Christ, we have the forgiveness of our sin, that you have borne our sin, our shame, that you've carried it far away, that you've finished it in the finished work of the cross of Calvary. Lord, we pray uh, coming today that you would speak to us, that same Savior. That you, would, that you would lead us through your word, that we would draw close to you. I pray, Lord, that it would be a tremendous hour, not a, not a normal hour, not a mundane hour, not something to endure on the way to somewhere else, but I pray, Lord, that you would speak supernaturally through your word. I pray we'd be encouraged. I pray that we'd be built up. I pray, Lord, that we'd be convicted if we need to be. I pray, Lord, that some here and listening in another way, if they do not know you in the hearing of this truth, might turn to you and receive you in faith. I pray that any hindrance to that would be removed. And Lord, we just tell you, we are thankful for you. We praise you. We exalt you. We worship you. It truly is all about you, our Savior, Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, you may have noticed we've looked at these verses in Matthew a couple of different times, but each time with a different focus. Well, today, again, we look at them. Now, we could have looked at many other verses. There's other places we could have looked at, but we're going to look at these verses again to see just from here what we can see about Jesus. Now, before we do that, I, I want you to think about something, and it's a profound thing, I believe. What we are about to see this morning, what we are about to unfold this morning, and I am praying, and I have been praying that it's tremendous, what we are about to see this morning about Jesus comes from eight verses. Eight verses out of the first chapter of Matthew's gospel. Eight verses. Now, what we're going to see, and I'm praying it's tremendous, comes from eight verses. Now, can you imagine the depth the awesome depth in this entire book. We're about to hear a sermon on eight verses. Can you imagine the riches that are in this book, friends? We can't even scratch the surface. Okay, this morning from our eight verses, we're going to see six truths about Jesus. Six truths about Jesus. Six answers to the question, what child is this. Here's the child. What child is this? First thing we see this morning, what child is this? We see he is the son of God. What child is this? We see he is the son of God. All right, let's go to the verses. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Here's the historical record. When his mother had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Verse 20. But when he had considered this, behold, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. See this this morning. God's word is telling us this child, this specific child was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Now what that means is he has no earthly father. He is not the product of a sexual act. Now there are many cults today, and I don't know why they gravitate this way. Uh, the Mormons are one of them. There's others as well. And they pervert this. They say Jesus was born out of a sexual act. No, the Bible says he is born of a virgin conceived of God himself. This is the truth of the virgin birth. This is the truth of the virgin birth. Now, friends, I want you to be sure this is a big deal. Sometimes folks want to say, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that huge. It is a big deal. It is vitally important to our answering the question, what child is this? Now, I want you to also be sure of something. There is also much pushback against it for, for all years, but for, for the last century, for sure, uh, there's a lot of pushback against this truth. There are some that would say it is a superstition. Well, we would say to that, biblically, we know it's not a superstition. It is supernatural. There are some that would say it is an impossibility, and they would describe all the reasons it's impossible. And so they would say, this couldn't have happened. It's an impossibility. Well, we know that with God, the Bible says, all things are possible. There are some that say this is a silly myth. Oh, a silly myth of ignorant people. We would say, you know what? It's not a silly myth. We know biblically it is a great miracle. I was thinking about that for a second. There's folks that say, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how this happened. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I do know how it happened. It was a great miracle. It was a great miracle. It's not a silly myth. It's a great miracle. There are some that would say it is symbolic Oh, it's just symbolic. That's what it was always meant to be. We know biblically it was not symbolic. It is a sure fact. You can take it to the bank. There are some that come along today and they say this is not crucial for the gospel. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ and this is not crucial for the gospel. Well, listen, we know biblically that's not true. It is non-negotiable as to the nature of Jesus, our Savior. See this, God is the father of Jesus. Because of that, Jesus is divine. Because of that, Jesus is God. He is eternal God. Now you might say, well, why does that matter? Why does that matter? Why is that such a big deal? Why does that matter? Now I want to tell you, I could preach four sermons just on this topic. I might go eight. Why does that Matter. We might go 30 more days. Listen very carefully. Here's why it matters. Jesus has to be eternal to redeem eternally. Jesus has to be eternal 
to redeem eternally. Jesus has to be infinite. He has to be limitless in order to save infinitely. The book of Hebrews says he saves to the utmost. Jesus has to be the creator of life in order to give life. We saw that in our study of the Gospel of John. He has to be the creator of life, the possessor of life, in order to give life. Well, being fully God, as the Son of God, Jesus is all of those things. Do you see why it's a big deal? Jesus, being God, as the Son of God, is all of those things. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel there is talking to Mary. The angel here is talking to Joseph. But the angel in Luke chapter 1 says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. What child is this? He's the Son of God. He is fully God, God himself, able to save to the utmost and give eternal life. What child is this? He is the son of God. What child is this? He is the savior for sinners. He is the savior for sinners. Back to verse 21, it says this. For he will save his people from their sins. Here's the truth of this child. For he will save his people from their sins. This child born of a virgin, the son of God, will save his people from their sins. Listen very carefully this morning. Do you know the greatest need of every person? Do you know the greatest need of every person is a remedy for sin? The greatest need of every person is a Savior. Now, the world doesn't believe that. The world doesn't teach or promote that. Listen to me. It is not more money. Oh, if we could just get to this level of wealth. It's not more money. It's not more opportunities. If I just had greater opportunities, it's not a greater education. It's not a better situation or circumstance. If I could just get out of this mess, the greatest need of all people is a Savior. In our sin, we are lost. Let that sink in. In our sin, we are hopeless. You have no hope in your sin. In our sin, we are doomed. In our sin, we are perishing. In our sin, we are broken out of fellowship with God. Now, don't, don't let that just be a bunch of numb words to you. In our sin, you have no fellowship with God. And though we suffer as sinners now, in our sins, that will be our reality. We will suffer for all eternity. And as sinners, there's nothing we can do. Do you know that? There's not one thing we can do. You can't impress the right people. You can't do enough good works. You can't belong to the right church. As a sinner, there is not one thing we can do. We need a Savior. And friend, this child is that Savior. And I, I, I can't tell you the, the scope of that. I'd like to. God and his great love, God and his graciousness, he has seen our plight 
as sinners. He has seen our hopelessness in sin. And in this child, he has sent our Savior. Do you get that today? We need to be reminded of that today. Oh, life is hard. Yes, but let me tell you something. We have a Savior. Oh, life is unexpected. I didn't see this turn of events. Listen to me. Yes, but we have a Savior. Oh, I failed. I've messed up. I've rejected. I've sinned against the holy God. Oh, but yes, listen, we have a Savior. Now, while we're talking about good news, here's a good question. Who are his people? It says he will save his people from their sins. Well, here's a, here's a question. Who are his people? Has he got some people he's going to save and some others he's not willing to save? Are, are there his people and they're blessed and there's other people and they're cursed? Let me tell you the, the answer to that. The answer to that is this. His people are those who would receive him by faith. You want to know who his people are? He's not prejudiced. He doesn't say, I've created these folks and they're never available to be my people. No. The testimony of scripture is any person can be his people by receiving him in faith. Do you know that's good news? We have our Savior. He's available to all people if we'll receive him in faith. That is good news. We have our Savior. Next, what child is this? What child is this? This child is the promised hope. What child is this? This child is the promised hope. He is God's promise. Now, I want you to see this. God in his infinite goodness. And I, I want to tell you, God is good. He is good. And he's infinite in his goodness. And our infinitely good God and his matchless grace and his unbelievable love right from the fall of man into sin has promised a savior for sinners. I want to tell you, that's awesome. He, he doesn't let us go on without a hope. He doesn't let us go on and, and stew in, in our condition. Right from the fall of man into sin, the, the wreckage of man, he promises a savior. He gives us hope. He has promised a Savior for sinners. And so let me tell you what all the generations have done. When times are good, man, they've had a promise. When times are bad and times are dark, they've hung on to that promise. When times are not understandable, I don't understand this. I don't even like this. When times are not understandable, whoo, we have a promise. People could always cling to that promise. Do you know how gracious that is? Do you know how kind that is? He doesn't leave us without a hope. He gave us a promise. And people can always cling to that promise. God will send a Savior. God will send a Messiah. We've made a wreck of things, but God himself will rend the heavens, and he will be our Savior. Do you know the descendants of Jacob, Israel, could hold to that promise? Woo. Oh, man, up and down and all sorts of crazy stuff. Do you know they could hold, they could turn back, and they could cling to that promise? Let me tell you something else. Do you know the descendants of Esau could also hold to that promise? You see, the Bible says for all nations there would come a blessing. They could hold to the promise as well. 
when you go to the Psalms, and yesterday I was just flipping through them, and just read part of this one, read part of that. When you go to the Psalms, do you know many of those songs are God's people crying out for, longing for, singing out for their promise? And you go across those Psalms, and this situation's happened to the king, this situation's happened to the nation, this heartbreaking thing has happened to the people, and these songs, they're singing out, longing for their promise. Oh, from where shall my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Friends, listen to me this morning. The promise made to Eve, the promise made to Abraham, the promise that was made to Isaac, the promise that was made to David, the promise that's recorded in Scripture, the promise that is announced by the prophets, the, the promise that, that is revealed in the law, the promise that is foreshadowed in the temple, that promise is fulfilled in this child. Can you imagine that? A descendant of Abraham, this child. Oh, in the line of David in this, in this child, the promise is fulfilled in this child. Oh, where will our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord. What is this child? He is the promised hope. Praise the Lord. God kept his promise. Next thing, see this. I don't know which one of these is my favorite. I don't know. This one is for now. What child is this? What child is this? He is Emmanuel, the God who draws near. He is Emmanuel, the God who draws near. Now I want you to think about this for a second. Our God is holy. Our God is not like us. Our God, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are so much higher. They are not our ways. Our God is perfect. Our God can have no part of sin. He is the, the creator of all things, the creator God. He possesses all power. That is our God. He needs nothing from us. There is nothing we can add to him. That is our mighty God. What if he were distant from us? What if he were withdrawn from us? What if he were unreachable to us? What if he were unknowable to us? What if we had a God who could see our tears, but who had never cried them? And the Bible says, and Jesus wept. What if we had a God and he could see our rejection, he could see how hated we were, but he never felt it. The Bible says, and Jesus came into his own and his own received him not. What if God were to witness our suffering? What if he saw, I see their suffering, but what if he had never experienced it? And the Bible says, Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. What if he watched us battle in temptation? but he knew nothing of it. The Bible says in Jesus, he was tempted in every way as a man yet without sin. 
See this this morning. When we had sinned, and when we had run away to the far country, and when we had, and I'm talking about us, when we had broken our relationship with God, when we had rejected his love, and when there was nothing we could do about it, when we in our sin had separated ourselves from him, he draws near to us. He comes to us. He makes a way. Let me tell you something. Of all the truths of Christ, this has to be the most mind-blowing to me. Of all the truths of Christ, this has to be the most mind-boggling thing to me. The Creator God, listen, He comes and He knows heartbreak because He has a heart that can break. He knows our sorrow as he sheds his own tears. Listen, God cries. Uh, the creator God, he cries. That's what the Bible says. He is sacrificed because he has hands that can be nailed through. He has breath that can run out. He has blood that can flow down from his brow. What child is this? He is Emmanuel, the God who draws near. Let me tell you something. You may be sitting here and saying, you know what, I don't know if I can take another year like this. You know what, I don't know if I can take hard times like this. You know what, I'm missing this person and I, I'm stewing in the guilt of sin or whatever the situation is. Listen, we have a God that when he sees us in our helpless estate, he draws near Emmanuel, God with us. What child is this? What child is this? He is a son, fully man. He is a son, fully man. Now let's look at this. In verse 21, it says, And she will bear a son. Look at verse 24 and 25. And Joseph awoke from his sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife. Verse 25, first part of the verse. But kept her a virgin... Until she gave birth to a son, to a son. In the original language, in the Greek, the word here for son translates man, male, son, actually son, offspring, descendant. Sometimes it's translated, and you may have seen it, as a man-child, a man-child. Understand, this child is actually, physically, a man, a son. So, so Jesus, this child, he is God. He is fully God. Well, now we see he is man. He is fully, 100% a man. He's the son of God, fully God. Now we see he is a son, a man. He is fully man. Now you say, why does that matter? Well, just like there are some that want to deny his deity, and they would say he's a man, but he's not God. There are some that teach that. There are some that want to deny his humanity. They've been throughout history, and they say he was God, but no way is he a man. Well, be very sure today, Jesus is a flesh and blood actual man. Now, why does that matter? It is because only as a man 
can he stand in the place of men? Only as a man, a person, can he offer and provide atonement for people. Listen, this is a big deal. Only as a person can he provide atonement for people. An animal cannot atone for people. A spirit cannot atone for people. It requires the shedding of blood. And so here's the truth. And because of that, so the word became flesh. Paul in Philippians chapter 2 says, Made in the likeness of men, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He dies shedding his blood for the remission of sin as a man for mankind. Now, I can't imagine that. I think about some of this stuff. I can't imagine that. God is a man. God is a man. Right from the start, he is a man. Do you know on this day that we're celebrating, there was an instant when Jesus drew his first breath. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I've, I've been lucky enough to see that three times. And there's this little gray baby. And I, don't, I didn't know it was going to be that gray. And it comes out and it's gray. And then there's a, an instant when it draws in a breath and it turns pink and it wails out. Do you know Jesus did that? There was an instant when he drew his first breath, and from gray he became pink, and he welled out. You know why? Because he was a son, a man. Imagine that. He had to be dried off and wrapped in swaddling clothes so he didn't get cold. Now, I think about that. Well, that makes a lot of sense. We sing that song. So God doesn't get cold. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. Because he was a son, because he was a man. Do you know this? He had to be fed. He had to be fed. Some of you are realizing this in the middle of the night, Marco. <laughs> Do you know it was inconvenient? <laughs> Do you know Mary probably said, Oh, my lands, it's two o'clock. It's two o'clock. He had to be fed in the middle of the night because he was a son, a man. He had to be taught to walk. Can you imagine that? They cheered when the creator God of the world, Jesus, took two steps and began to wobble and took a third step and fell over. He had to learn to walk. You know why? Because he was a son. He was a man. There was a day, whoo, there was a day when the eternal word of God spoke his first word. There was a day when the eternal word of God spoke his first word. I don't know what it was. It's not recorded. Ema means mama. Ema, or we're proud, maybe Abba is daddy. Abba, Abba. There was a day when the creator of language himself learns the very first Hebrew word as a man. You know why I did that? Because he was a son, a man. What child is this? He was a son, a man, able to save mankind. He has come for us. Praise the Lord. Last one is this. What child is this? 
What child is this? He is a, the son of God, fully God, able to save. He is the savior for sinners, the only way that we can make it to the Father. He is the promised hope, God's promise to save. He is Emmanuel, the God who draws near to us. He is a son standing in the place of men. The last one is this. What child is this? He is Jesus. Verse 25, the last part of the verse says this, and he called his name Jesus. And he called his name Jesus. What child is this? He is Jesus. In Hebrew, it is Yeshua. It means Yahweh saves. The Lord, our salvation. God saves. This child, what child is this? This child is Jesus. Jesus, the name above every name. Jesus, the only one who can save. Jesus, the defeater of death. There is no defeater of death other than Jesus. Jesus, the risen lamb. Jesus, the king of kings. This child is Jesus. I wonder who said it first. I don't know. It's just maybe weird to think about that. The Bible doesn't tell us. Was it Joseph that day? Was it Joseph? He's standing there in surprise, and he's overcome in joy, and he knows the testimony of the angel. He, he knows the situation. Was it Joseph being obedient to the angels that had come to him? And was it Joseph? And when the baby's born, he says, this child is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Or was it Mary? Maybe it was Mary. Maybe Joseph didn't say a word. Maybe he just stood there in astonishment. But maybe it was Mary, and she is exhausted from her labor. She is spent, but oh, she's in peace. Is it Mary? And as she holds this baby, as she's now wrapped him up, and as she holds him near to her, does she say, Jesus, this child is Jesus. Do you know who he is? This child is Jesus. Do you know your Savior? He is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come and we praise you. We thank you. We come and we see, we marvel at just what we've scratched today, just, just passing by. The perfect Savior, God himself, willing and able to save. Man in the position to save. Sinless. Our perfect lamb. Emmanuel, the God that draws near. Lord, we come and we marvel. We absolutely marvel. Lord, I'm thankful for a Savior. I'm thankful for a promise fulfilled. I'm thankful for a hope that stands. And Lord, I pray this Christmas season as we stand here, whatever, whatever plight we find ourselves this year, I, I pray that our eyes are picked up and they are set upon that child. Now, the risen King, Jesus. Lord, I, I pray that we take hope in that. Lord, I, I pray that we celebrate that. Lord, I, I pray that that fills our hearts, fills our minds, and then fills our celebrations. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy. Lord, I pray for some that do not know you. And I can't imagine toiling through the pain of life and not knowing you. And I pray for them as they hurt. I pray that they would find you. This Christmas season, that they would turn to you, that they would receive you by faith and be saved. Lord, I pray that whatever needs to happen, that there would be a preacher that would preach, a proclaimer, maybe somebody at work, maybe a family member, 
I pray that any barrier will be removed, that, that ears will be unclogged, that hearts will be softened, and I pray that folks would, would receive Jesus this holiday season. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful proclaimers of Jesus this holiday season. And then I pray this. I pray that every bit of this is for your namesake, for your glory. We tell you today we love you. We tell you today we thank you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. This child is the hope, the promise fulfilled. This child is also the dividing line. What I mean by that is this. Everything turns upon what you do with Jesus. You see, he drew near, he came to provide a way for us as sinners. The way has been provided in Jesus. It is settled, it is finished in him. Now here's the deal. We have to decide what we're gonna do with him. And you got two choices. You can reject him. You can walk away from him. You can say, I don't know if I believe that. I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to submit. I don't know if I'm ready to quit my sin. And you can walk away from Jesus and you will carry your sin. You'll carry the condemnation of your sin and you'll stand under the just judgment of God. Or the second thing you can do is this, you can turn to Jesus. If you'll turn to him today, he'll save you this very day. He'll forgive you, renew you, restore you, reconcile you, redeem you. If you turn to Jesus, he'll save you today. Do you know you can do that in this hour? If you're here in this room, you can turn to Jesus, he'll save you right now. Listening in some of the way, listen, you don't have to be in this room. You turn to Jesus, claim him as your savior, ask him for the power to leave, repent of your sin and turn and follow him. He will save you today. In faith alone, he'll save you today. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I'm ready to claim Jesus as my Savior. I'm ready to say, you know what, Lord, I trust you. Maybe you need to come in this time of invitation and say, that's what I want to do. Maybe you need more information. Let's, let's settle it today. Let's see what the Scripture says. Let's settle it today. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never fought in believer's baptism. The Bible says it's not before you were saved. It's not as part of your salvation. It's always after you were saved. And so you would come and say, you know what, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But you know what, I need to be baptized after that point. And I, and I want that testimony to stand, not as part of my salvation again, but as a testimony to my Savior and to that salvation. You come as well. We'll set a day to be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll preach his word. We'll proclaim his name until he comes again. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I, I want to put my eyes this season on Jesus. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I, I've been so downtrodden. I've been so distracted. I've been so discouraged. Maybe you've been so busy. And you know what, in this hour you can say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to put my eyes on you. I want to look at you. I want the hope that you give. And maybe your response today is to say, you know what, I, I, I know what child this is, and I'm going to put my eyes, my hope in him. We're going to stay in a sing. If God is speaking to you, if he has spoken to you, if you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here at the front. If you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here at the front.